You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonix Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonix is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Shaka Cummings, Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to F is Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Parker, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Shaka? I'm doing well so far, so good. Um, excited to record the pod. I've actually been at home watching the only live sporting events that I could find, which are horse racing and wrestling. <laughs> and the wrestling's not even live. It's actually taped, but I don't know what the results are, even though they probably knew what they were before they started taping them, because that's how wrestling works. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, Parker, let's do some gold stars and detentions for the week. What do you have for us? I have one gold star going to my man, P.J. Tucker. Uh, P.J. Tucker, uh, he launched his, his store. He has a store launching in Houston in the fall, and it's going to have its own clothing line attached to it. And he went ahead and uh, pre-released some early drops of clothes this week, of uh, shirts, shorts, hats, etc., um, and is doing all proceeds to Houston area hospitals and first responders to the virus. Um it's a very intentional drop. It's got like people spaced out on it and stuff like that. So it's kind of like a, a keepsake from the time. So shout out to PJ Tucker. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, PJ Tucker is one of my all-time favorite basketball players. I have two University of Texas basketball jerseys, and neither of them are Kevin Durant. One is TJ Ford from when I was a little kid, and one is PJ Tucker from when I was in high school. And it's like that is my man. So shout out PJ Tucker. Absolutely, Parker. 
is a Rockets homer. He loves him some P.J. Tucker. Uh, my gold star, <laughs> one of my gold stars for this week, it, it goes to the WWE. Thank goodness. My wife is like, hey, Shaka, why are you watching wrestling? And I'm like, it's like the only thing on that has any sort of athleticism that I don't know what the result's going to be <laughs> because I haven't watched the replay of it. And so I understand that they take some heat because they're, like, doing these events and they were doing them in a time where everyone else was shut down. I am just happy that there's something on that I don't know what the result's going to be, and there's some athleticism to it. So shout out to the WWE. I have been watching WrestleMania this weekend. I will watch it tomorrow night, and it's, like, free because, like, I got this subscription thing, and I could cancel in a month. <laughs> so awesome because they basically put out WrestleMania for free. So shout out to the WWE. What else you got, Parker? Uh, one more gold star before we get into detentions, and it goes back to Steph Curry. I think Steph Curry is my first time to a gold star winner. Which, again, shocks a lot of people following on Twitter because I think lots of people think I hate Steph Curry. Because you do um, hate Steph Curry. <laughs> uh, but anyway, shout out to Steph Curry. Uh, Zach Dobson is a Middle Tennessee State wide receiver. He's at home like all of us in this quarantine. And he's on Instagram Live. He's like, hey, I wonder what happened if I added Steph Curry to this chat. And he tries to add Steph Curry on. And Steph Curry responds and just does this whole Instagram live. <laughs> Goes live with this Middle Tennessee State receiver. There's a kid in college. You know, it's a normal college kid. Um, and basically they just like chat about, oh, hey, how you doing? Oh, hey, how you? And Stephanie is clearly in bed on his phone, like, oh, hey, I'm going to entertain this fan of mine. Like, did not have to do that at all. <laughs> totally made everybody's day that day. So shout out to Steph Curry. That was well done. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I have another gold star as well. Gold star to LaMelo Ball. And let me just say that the Ball family has not gotten a lot of gold stars for me personally for the way they handled life <laughs> but Lamelo ball did something really cool this week in that he along with his uh, business manager actually purchased the australian basketball league team that he played for so he played for the illawarra hawks i believe is how you pronounce it and uh he's in the process of purchasing the team it's basically in the final stages i don't know that everything's been made official quite yet but he's going to purchase this team and if you think about him being 18 years old, he's about to go into the NBA. He's going to be a top five draft pick in the NBA. He feels like he has a bit of autonomy that maybe Lonzo wasn't able to have when Lonzo was first coming into the league. And I just love that LaMelo is thinking ahead a little bit. He's purchased a racehorse as well, which for some people, they might hear that and they're like, oh, this kid's wasting his money. A racehorse, if you get the right horse, is actually a fairly good investment, not only for the racing, but also for the stud. Uh, and so someone who lives in Lexington knows that that's not a bad investment if you get the right <laughs> horse. Um, so shout out to LaMelo for like trying to be an owner, like trying to be a boss, like trying to do something that I don't think a lot of other 18-year-old prospects are looking into doing. But maybe this is international exposure that he's gotten that's allowed him to know that he could do some of these things. So shout out to LaMelo Ball. He's boss of all bosses. He's an owner. Go go LaMelo. One well, on LaMelo, like if, if he really takes off like he thinks he will in the NBA – he can start selling those Illawarra Hawks jerseys for a lot, a pretty penny, and he'll make all he'll make profits on it. Whereas <laughs> Lamella Lonzo Ball can't do that with UCLA, right? That's like interesting, you know, back and forth with those two. Um, I have a couple detentions this week. My first of which goes to Rex Ryan uh, for questioning Amari Cooper the other day. Um, I'm not going to give him a whole lot of credence or airtime, honestly. I thought that was just a really, uh, we'll call it, crappy thing to do out of Rex Ryan. And you're a better guy. You're supposed to be a better guy than that. And you're supposed to be a better football mind than that. And you get a detention. You get to sit there and reflect on what you did this week. The thing is, is that I don't know that the criticism in and of itself is bad. It's just like you got to you just handle yourself 
a little more professionally as a member of the media, whether you want to recognize you're a member of the media or not. And of course, that's just not Rex Ryan's MO. As a Jets fan, I know that. So, <laughs> well, I've handed out plenty of detentions for language before. You can you can talk about it differently. You can have the same opinion, express it a lot differently, and you can talk about you know question the signing of Amari Cooper without questioning Amari Cooper as a human being. So we'll, we need to do that a little differently. Absolutely. My uh, detention for the week goes to the Chinese Basketball Association for trying to start back and then having to shut down again. And listen, I am happy with the effort like i appreciate the sentiment of wanting to try to get basketball back but guys if you can't do this then don't try because the reality is there were a (laughs) bunch of americans who left their families here because that's their paycheck went over to china and you've canceled the league again and it's like what do these folks do they're in limbo every time they travel they have to be quarantined for 14 days so they went to china had to do a 14-day quarantine then the league is going to cancel. If they try to get back into the United States, they're going to do another 14-day quarantine. So you basically just cost these guys a month where they can't see their families. And it's like, if you can do this thing, then do it. But don't start up and then not do it. Because I mean, the reality is you're messing with those uh, players. You're also messing with other leagues because like the nba is looking at that and saying oh maybe if china can't do it then we can't do it it's like let's not put any seeds of doubt in anyone's mind that this thing can actually happen that we will be back to a sense of normal and just shame on the chinese basketball league for kind of messing this up for everybody completely uh my last attention is for what could probably be considered like maybe it's not detention worthy but my attention goes to harrison barnes for entering into the espn 2k bracket ESPN, a lot like the action sports bracket, where the action sports is simulating a bunch of one-on-one matchups. Uh, ESPN is doing a 2K bracket where players are actually playing as different teams and like bracket style to get a champion or whatever. And Trey Young beat Harrison Barnes by over 50 points in a 2K game. (laughs) And Harrison Barnes, if you can't play 2K, don't join a bracket with a bunch of dudes that are 20 years old like Trey Young and can't play 2K. <laughs> this is a bad look. You're you're on the older side of the NBA, and it's okay. Just admit you admit you're another guy in his 30s that doesn't play video games anymore and step away. You don't need to cash that bad. You took big contracts you didn't need to. Like You don't need to do this anymore. Come on, Harrison. Yo, he got rocked by – he got to get rocked by all of them kids because those guys have been playing. I saw DeAndre Ayton say that he's been playing uh, 2K since 2K9. And it's like, he's, he must have been like 10 years old at that time. He's basically been right, playing right, most right. of his life. He's been playing 2K longer than he's not been playing 2K. So exactly. you don't want to get in the sticks with that, dude. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about Tua Tonga-Vailoa and the NFL Draft. We're going to talk about the NBA Hall of Fame as well as those announcements were just made this weekend. And we're going to do a little twist on uh, WrestleMania, a little fun topic, where we talk about uh, some athletes that maybe we'd like to see get in the ring and square off against each other. So a lot of fun this week. Parker, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. All right, Shaka, thesis number one for the day. NFL Draft's coming up, and everyone's wondering who's going where and so on and so forth. So the thesis is Tua Tagovailoa has to be a top three pick in the NFL Draft. Has to be a top three pick. For has to be a top three pick, I think I'm going to go with a C because I think that there's hard A evidence and hard F evidence. So I'm going to go C on that. What's your grade (laughs) on that? Oh, I guess I'm just friendlier than you. I was thinking similarly that there's kind of both ends of the spectrum. And so I was going to settle in the middle at like a B minus of it. So that's interesting. But I, I wonder what we have in common here.
All right, Shaka, you gave this a C, and you noted that's because there's some of it that's an A and some of it that's an F, and so you settled in the middle at a C. What gives it, what are the things that are in the higher range or the things in the lower range? How did you settle at a C? Yeah, let's start with the highs, because the highs is Tua, right? Because <laughs> Tua is amazing. So Tua's numbers are incredible. So again, comes off the bench, throws for the touchdown in the national championship game as a true freshman. There's not a lot of guys who have done that, obviously, in their history. There's actually one guy. His name is Tua. And then he comes back the next year. He's the Heisman favorite for the entire year. And then we get to the end of the season. and We have Tua fatigue, and so we don't give the dude the Heisman, even though there's nothing about his numbers that says he didn't deserve it. He threw for just under 4,000 yards. He threw for 3,966 yards. 43 touchdowns through the air. Another five touchdowns on the ground. And only had six interceptions as a sophomore. That's who this dude is. And had he been eligible to come out after that, he's probably the number one pick in the draft as a sophomore. Now, we have the junior year. His numbers are still pretty darn impressive. He throws for 33 touchdowns. He has another two touchdowns on the ground. He throws for nearly 3,000 yards. Tua has shown us that he's an incredible quarterback. Penchant for throwing the ball deep. Penchant for leading his team in big games. He has a championship Everything that you would want from your incoming quarterback prospect, two has got, two was done, right? And then the big question is injury. And it's not just the hip. Like the hip this year is obviously concerning because Tua hurts his hip versus Mississippi State, misses time. When he comes back, we're still not sure that we're seeing 100% Tua, and then he doesn't finish the year, right? He finishes the year on the bench. So there's definitive injury concern with Tua. The hip isn't what scares me as much as the ankles because he's had two different ankle procedures in his collegiate career, and now he's going to jump into the NFL. The doctors have looked at the hip. The doctors feel like the hip is pretty good. The ankles to me feel like even if they're good right now, that that's something that could be degenerative, and he's never really going to have great ankles. And He's throwing the ball. Like, he's got to push off of his lower body in order to throw the football. As a quarterback, like, if it's a video game, you can turn injuries off. You're right. I think that's the big perk to this. And then the injuries don't get turned off because it's not a video game, and all of a sudden we have questions. Um, You bring up the ankles. I think of it logistically. Like, his comp is a Russell Wilson, right? Like, he's about six feet tall. He's light on his feet, active, and has a great arm. And so you think about the way Russell Wilson moves around. And he's doing that. Sometimes it looks like almost to stay alive, you know, back there because Russell Wilson's so small. If Tua's going to have injury issues that prevent him from doing that, well, then he's going to have a real problem because, you know, Drew Brees is one of the few, but most guys that are under 6'3 or under 6 feet or, you know, he's listed at 6 even after the combine measurements are having to be a little bit more mobile in the modern game. And they're rolling the pocket a little bit. They're getting on the perimeter. They're extending plays. Um and if he's going to have lower body injuries, he really he, he might have trouble doing that. If you say top three pick, you also are saying that he's going to one of the, I mean, assuming someone trades up, someone would only trade up because they think that he won't fall to them, right? And so everyone's thinking that Miami may take him at five if he's available. Um, if he's not available, uh, that means he went earlier. And so that means you're thinking, does Cincinnati take him? Does Washington take him? Or does Detroit take him? in the top three pick or someone trade into those three picks to take him. Um, 
Cincinnati, uh, I think everyone settled in on taking Joe Burrow as the you know, although Cincinnati more... would be interesting, right? Like if they if he was the top QB on their board, and there's enough separation between him and Burrow, would there be a possibility that that they would take him, even though Burrow feels safer? You and I have had texting conversations back and forth about comparing <laughs> Joe Burrow's year a lot. Um, so I don't mean to come off too much as a Joe, Joe Burrow hater because he really did have a tremendous year. But the truth is, to me, is that the body of work in college, Joe Burrow's got one out of five years, whereas Tua has every time he steps on the field healthy. And so I think the bigger thing that taking Joe Burrow signifies a safe pick, like a high floor of a pick for Cincinnati. And that's why they don't want to get the pick wrong. They're the number one pick. They're going to take a quarterback. They want to make sure they don't get it wrong more than that they get it right. And so the presumption is that they're taking Joe Burrow. You know, Washington has picked up Kyle Allen this offseason and has uh, drafted Dwayne Haskins a year ago. I don't see Washington taking a quarterback to add to the quarterback room when they already have a competition going, right? That would seem to mean that either A, they don't think they made the right pick last year, and it seems early for the same administration as far as you know everybody but the, everybody but the head coach to be admitting that. B, they went out and got Kyle Allen this offseason, so why are you going to bring in a quarterback to replace the guy you went out and got this offseason? So I don't, I don't see them doing that. I will uh, Detroit, say, though, with a new head coach, there is a possibility – Right. You're right. It's the owner who wanted Dwayne Haskins and the owner is obviously right. still there. Uh, I do think that the Arizona Cardinals gave us the model, though. Arizona gave us the model of bringing the new coach. If that new coach right. wants the new quarterback, we'll get rid of the guy we drafted the I, year before and go get the new guy. I interpret Washington's actions that their go get the guy the coach wants was going to get Kyle Allen, though. And so that that's where I'm at on that. But I guess that's not inconceivable. It just seems like less conceivable um detroit at three is interesting to me because a they're the spot they were talking about people potentially trading into to draft to it because they're worried he won't follow them and b it seems like detroit really may be about to move on from matt stafford in the coming years um stafford is owed a lot of money next year but you could conceivably ship him off this time of year from now because his money that you owe him pre-incentives based stuff drops off a lot they owe him 30 million next season and then without any incentives right without any incentives and if he's not playing in 2021 he won't get those incentives they would only owe him 19 and so trading the 19 in the latter year 2021 the 2021 fall uh you could theoretically draft a rookie to come in and learn for a year split reps for a year and then try and ditch stafford afterwards so i guess you could see detroit going for a quarterback the interesting thing is, if he's not going to go in the top three, the assumption is he falls to Miami at five. And if you're Miami and you're worried that he's going to go in those top three, they certainly have the assets to go get him at three, right? They have, they have five picks, about say five picks in the first two rounds, and you could do some combination of those to get to the third pick, and then sw- you know do a swap and the first and the second round, or some you know some sort of a swapping deal to go get him at third at the third overall pick. I wonder, though, if you're in Miami, does it really matter because of these potential drawbacks? Do you just sit at five and wait, right? Do you sit at five and say, regardless of what the grade on this thesis those two teachers talked about is, these top three pick or not, we're going to sit here at five and wait for Justin Herbert. Are we going to wait for Jordan Love? We're going to wait for Jalen Hurts in the second round. Like, Like, honestly, are they even really worried about if Tua is a top three pick. 
they, because they, they seem to be, be the team because of the teams that could come up and grab Tua. What I think Miami has to weigh is not on the combination of hey, we have to go get Tua, but hey, what if New England went up to three? That would be something that Miami wouldn't want to see, right? Like they wouldn't want a team in their division to jump them to go get Tua Tonga Vailoa, then have to play against him for the next because that would be Miami's luck. Like he would go to New England, he'd be perfectly healthy, and then they got to play against him for the next decade. I mean, conversely, though, if the Jets trade up from eleven to three to get him. Maybe they're okay because the Jets get a guy tends to not work out so well. But I don't, I don't know. They what have the... Sam Darno. <laughs> you do not have to make this a Jet hater podcast. <laughs> no, I guess my thing though is that you know if you're the if you're the Dolphins at five, I, I understand not wanting to play against Tua, but if you were at all squeamish about the idea of drafting a quarterback that's going to need to be mobile with lower body injury history, I don't know that it's worth. You moving into the top three, I think you still wait at five and see what shows up. No, it feels less risky when you got five picks in the first two rounds to take two at five. So if Tua falls you at five, it feels like Miami would definitely take him and say, even if he doesn't hit, we got four other picks in the first two rounds. We're going to get some hits on that, even if it isn't Tua based on injury or even based on play, right? Conceivably, Tua could come in and suck. I don't think that he's going to. Theoretically. Um, I yeah, think the injury would be the thing that got him. Um, what I will say is this, like pro football focus does, I think a great job of ranking prospects. There is a definitive drop off <laughs> between the top two quarterback prospects. So Joe Burrow is the f- top prospect according to pro football focus. Then Tua Tagovailoa is the uh, third best prospect. Chase Young is number two. Justin Herbert, who's the next best quarterback prospect, is the 29th right. best prospect. So, like, this is a no, definitive right. drop-off. And so it, it, that's the other thing as well. Like, where Justin Herbert is 29, Jake Fromm is 42, Jordan Love is 76, Anthony Gordon is 81. I'm going to keep reading because it's an interesting one here. Jacob Eason is 105, Jalen Hurts is 108. This is the one I love. Lynn Bowden Jr. is the 116th ranked prospect. He is not coming into the NFL as a quarterback. He's actually coming in as a receiver. They're listing him <laughs> as amongst the quarterback prospects, which tells you that there's definitive drop-off, obviously, with yeah. all of these guys. And so could it be that Miami would say, we have to go up to three because we don't want to end up with Justin Herbert. Like, th- that's not our plan. He's not a- as good as Tua even with the injury concern. I actually think that if a team jumps into the top three, that Washington actually maybe makes even a little more sense than Detroit because Washington, I mean, I get that you're giving up Chase Young and you don't want to give up the pass rusher. Like it's quarterback, then pass rusher, right? Like in terms of the things that you want to go get. Uh, Washington feels like a team that would be willing to maybe collect some assets. Now they have a guy like Ron Rivera there, who's a little more of a steady the ship guy versus kind of the and regimes they get, that they've had in the past. Yeah, and they can get more of his type of guys. I, Absolutely. I don't mean that like he just he he seems to want a very particular type of young man and so he may want some people some specific people or may have some specific types in mind. So I could see them like you're saying trading back as well. I just see Chase Young as one of those types of guys as well and so I have a hard time imagining they're going to pass him up. Well, there's a lot unless... of those guys cuz like to me uh Jeffrey Okuda is a shutdown half the field kind of guy. Depending on how far back they traded back, uh, they could still get the kid out of LSU, Chase on, um, Chase on. Uh, the, anyway, he he's a strong pass rusher too, and so I I don't mean to say that there aren't other Rivera type guys, but you're right that with a new head coach, they may want to get 
more like-minded people in that organization. But anyway, back if the thesis is, is he a lock as a top three pick, we're talking about our team's going to trade up and get him or not. And I think there's enough questions with his lower body that I don't know that people are trading up to get him necessarily unless they really think that that's all behind him. And I haven't seen enough. He looks great working out in t-shirt and shorts right now, but I haven't seen enough to say that I'm definitively like, oh, he's going to be totally fine and healthy for the next 10 years. I also know that if you're picking it like, I don't know, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you don't think Minshew Mania is going to last very long. Or if you were trying to go with, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders are looking for who comes in after Derek Carr or just or as who you, comes in Denver, for Derek Carr. <laughs> right. <laughs> when he gets inevitably gets hurt. Or if you're the Denver Broncos at 15, or if you're one of these other teams that could also use a quarterback, um, and you don't get that guy in the first round, A, there have been very few projections that have Jalen Hurts in the first round, and I think he's a steal in this draft. And you can quote me on it in a year when I'm right or wrong in that, but I think he's going to be a good football player. Uh, and then B, there's this guy named Cam Newton we talked about last week walking around out there just needs a contract, <laughs> right? Like, so like if you don't get Tua and you're worried about like, oh, he might get hurt, you could go get the guy that you know is pretty good. That like, yeah, he also had a shoulder injury. This I was going to say he's year, also like... coming off the injury. He's also more expensive too. Like that's the other thing because you got to probably have to pay Cam. I, you're not going to have to pay him, you know, thirty mil a year, but it's probably going to be twenty mil. A year. Like you'll have to guarantee him probably forty million over the next two years or something like. But that. if you're looking to trade up to the top three, you're going to be giving up stuff as well, and so it's just a different type of asset. At that I guess point, that's right? true. Absolutely, yeah. It's a matter of what you're willing to give up. Are you willing to give up the money now or the draft picks? Because the draft capital. For a team like uh, a team like Denver or Jacksonville, their draft capital is going to extend beyond this year. So they would essentially right. be saying we're going to give up future picks as well. Miami's probably the only team that's positioned to say, "Hey guys, we can get this all done in 2020 with the draft capital that we have available." Right? They're the only ones right. I would look at and say they could do. And that. the other thing is, if Miami picked five rookies that can all really play in the first two rounds and didn't get a quarterback in any of the five spots. Those five rookie salaries, you could add in can't you know they they could find a way to finagle it too because they're gonna have a lot of rookies on the books next year, um, and I, again I we talked last weekend so I don't need to talk a lot about how much I like Cam Newton's game but he's still out there and so again if you're like do we take the risk on this injury prone quarterback like you have one guy that's like built like a Hercules that just dinged his shoulder up last year like I, I, there's other NFL options MVP too. too like that's... yeah <laughs> <laughs> right that's like when he's healthy he's proven he can do it at the NFL level not just the college level I also saw how great Cam Newton looked every time he stepped on the field healthy in college right and so um I don't know that he has to go in the top three I don't know that he gets past Miami at five so if you're worried about that you are but I don't know if you're behind Miami that you need to worry about it so I don't know that he goes in the top three so here's the one consideration around the injury as well and this is this is the hey I'm going to take a chance on two regards to the injury the injured guys who come into the league it really is hit or miss like I, I I heard Rex Ryan say on ESPN last week that Oh, if you're injured in college, you're going to be injured in the pros. That's actually not true. Like, Joe, <laughs> Joe Thomas tore his ACL at Wisconsin. Joe Thomas played all those years for Cleveland. Like, Mr. injury Iron was Man. not a yeah. concern until his last year in the league. And then he's like, do I want to rehab and come back and be on a 2-14 and 14 team? No, I'm going to retire. Right? Um, the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys took a huge chance on Jalen Smith, who tore his knee up playing a bowl game and they knew he wasn't going to play his rookie year the Cowboys drafted him they got him he's in uh their program and now they're re-upping him because he's one of the best linebackers in the league 
Uh, and then there's Marcus Lattimore, right? And there's Jake Butt. There's these guys who look like incredible college players get drafted and never play in the league because they never recover from their college injuries. Uh, what I don't want this to become is kind of the sentiment that Tua is he was injured in college, so he must get hurt in the pros. Like, actually, that's right. not true. There are guys who got injured in college and recovered to be great NFL players. Now, I don't know. Quarterback other, maybe is a difference. And then, again, drafting into the top three. But it worked other, out when you did it with Joe Thomas. The deal that is also there with Tua is that he is, when he is healthy, a top three in the NFL draft talent. If not, He's the top one pick. pick. If, if Tua say, didn't get if, injured, he'd be the number one pick. Right. Even with Joe Burrow's we both said Because we both think it a year ago, if he could were allowed to come out after his sophomore year, and we can talk about NCAA rules in a different pod, if he were allowed to come out after a sophomore year, he would have been the number one pick, right? He would have been a top pick. It's interesting you brought up the Joe Thomas draft. You know what the number one pick that year was? It wasn't Joe. Joe Thomas went third. The number one pick that year was Jamarcus Russell to the Oakland Raiders. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> and Jamarcus. Then, and he was healthy. He just was awful. He liked the perp. Right. That's what he liked. He well, liked... So that, yeah, he liked the perp. Um, shout out to the Houston. No, but he, he really did. And the other thing I'll say is that, you know, Detroit takes Calvin Johnson after that. And no one really questioned this Jamarcus Russell at one thing until he was no longer available because of his off-the-field concerns. And with that said, like, this whole thing is a crapshoot. Like, we're talking about is Tua a lock in the top three picks and blah, blah, blah. We could also all turn around and be like, oh, Joe Burrow was the wrong pick in a year. We have no idea, right? This whole NFL draft thing is, it's a bigger crapshoot to me than any other draft in sports because of the increased physicality and speed. And it's just, it's a violent game that people get knocked out of very easily. And I think that the big jump from college to the pros there really is, it makes this whole thing feel like, are we re- do we really have any idea we're talking about? Especially at quarterback, because you could just get a dude that sucks, and that's regardless <laughs> of injury. <laughs> okay, so now we are going to talk NBA Hall of Fame. And Parker and I have had a lot of conversation about the Hall of Fame since the names came out on Saturday. And we actually feel like the NBA, for the most part, did a really good job with the selection. Now it's hard to mess up. Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, but the Hall of Fame didn't. So, like, a lot of credit to them for getting those guys in. Those guys deserve to be in. And there's some lesser folks, too. I'm a U.K. guy. Eddie Sutton made it, former U.K. coach. Tamika Catchings is a baller. Like, if you haven't seen her, she definitely deserves to be in, former WNBA MVP and champ, right? And I know Parker's excited about Rudy T., Right, Rudy Tomjanovich making it. Rudy Tomjanovich from uh, or from my Houston Rockets. I'm like you though. I look at this list and I don't have any real flaws with the. Now, eight Kim Mulkey people. made it. I mean, the people who right. are in seem like people that kind of need to be in, and so Parker and I are going to do a little bit of a different thesis statement segment this week. We're going to go through several of the folks who did not make it. The thesis statement is going to be that person should have been in, and then we'll grade it. So we'll talk about some of these folks who didn't make it and whether or not we feel like they are Hall of Famers. So, Parker, let's start with Sean Marion. Sean Marion did not get elected. The thesis statement, if I say to you, is that Sean Marion deserves to be an NBA Hall of Famer. How would you grade that thesis statement? So I think Sean Marion is a Hall of Famer. I give it an A. Um, I, I know that, you know, he wins his one title with, uh, Dallas in 2011. Um, he, you know, he's the LeBron stopper in that series. Although you could argue in whatever game that was, JJ Beret was a LeBron stopper as well. Uh, <laughs> I, Sean Marion is to me a very important part though, of that D'Antoni Phoenix run 
with Steve Nash in the earlier 2000s. And I think if we look at that team versus how people play basketball now, a guy like Sean Marion makes that team go, and you don't get a lot of the basketball we have now as I look at it. Uh, if you don't have those early Phoenix teams and Mike D'Antoni. And I, obviously people are like, oh, he just likes Mike D'Antoni. He's a Rockets guy. But I really liked Mike D'Antoni in Phoenix as well. I liked Steve Nash in Phoenix as well. Um, what they were doing was fascinating, and it's fascinating to look back on. For me, I would give that thesis statement a D. And cool. I'm not I'm not going to fail it because I do think that there's some merit to some of the things that you're saying. But uh, we have this conversation uh, just a few minutes back before we were trying to pull together this thesis statement about the Hall of Fame versus the Hall of Very Good. And Sean Marion is very good. There's For me, Sean Marion, on any team that he was on, was never the dude. So, like, if we go back to the Phoenix Suns era, the guys who need to make the Hall of Fame from that are Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, and probably Mike D'Antoni if a coach is going to make it. But to me, Marion's fourth. And if you look at the the Dallas team that won the championship, Dirk is the dude who's making it there, right? Um, so I and Carlisle. You're yeah, coaches. Okay, Carlisle if we were going to say a coach, then we we could put Carlisle in. Um, so for me, Sean Marion, he's a fringe guy, and he's a fringe guy who falls off. Now, part of this as well is that I know some of the guys who we're going to talk about, and I definitely think that they got to be in over Marion. So um, let's let's go to Chauncey Billups. So now the new thesis statement. Parker is Chauncey Billups has to be a Hall of Famer. Chauncey Billups is a, you know NBA Finals MVP, and so very few of those guys haven't gotten in. So I'd give it like an A minus. Outside of the Finals MVP, he's the leader of a Detroit team, and if you're again picking guys off of that team, it's like well you probably put Billups in, you probably put Rashid in. Um, so you know I guess so. Um, his Denver run. When they swapped him for Iverson, what was that back in two thousand and eight? I think yeah, it was around that time. Um, anyway, that was an interesting trade because everyone's like, "Oh my God, they're giving Allen Iverson to the Detroit Pistons. They're gonna be so good now." And the truth is, Denver ends up better after the trade, and so Iverson's a Hall of Famer, and so I think that's worth noting. So I, I think he's in. I don't think he's as obvious a case for me as others, but I think he's a Hall of Famer. This was his uh, third year eligible though, and he did not make it. So. That might be worth noting. What do you think? So Chauncey Billups has a better argument to me than Sean Marion because Chauncey Billups has that finals MVP. What I will say about Chauncey Billups is that really up until, gosh, late in that Denver run and then that Detroit run, he was kind of a bust. Like he was drafted high out of Colorado, was expected to come in and be a huge difference maker. And he wasn't really that for the uh, Celtics and then went to... Denver and you know Detroit was where he really shined he was nothing when when the Knicks got him uh, but a lot of people were nothing when the Knicks got him that's a whole nother pod that we actually did already <laughs> um so uh, Chauncey Billups I think he has a better argument than Marion but again Hall of very good to me Chauncey Billups is a very good player what I would say is that that Detroit team was so balanced it's hard right, it's... to give one person the credit because like it's Ben Wallace, be like Rashid Wallace, cut. Rick Hamilton, yeah. Tayshawn Prince, there was too many good guys on that team. Well, and so you bring up guys, and we, we could do all, you know, there's over 100 guys on this list of people that are eligible from NBA players. Um, several of those guys are on this list, though, and, and uh, you could, you know, 
Rashid Wallace is down here uh, in our Make list. Make that the thesis statement. Rashid Wallace must be a Hall of Famer. What are you going to say, Rashid Wallace Parker? must be a Hall of Famer. Um, he's 17th on the list of eligible people in terms of win shares, and that's just how we're going through it. Um, just as a way to organize them. But I would also argue that Rashid Wallace, I don't know that he peaked in uh detroit he had some good years in portland before and he had you know people forget i was watching on we're taping this on a sunday on a saturday night they were airing uh games of kobe and garnett and duncan um i i had kind of forgotten he ends his career in boston i just had not what i think of him as i don't think of him as a celtic if chauncey billups is in i feel like he's in but he doesn't have the finals mvp that billups has you know uh, what do you what do you think the thesis statement I, is? I will say one of the things that Rashid has that Chauncey doesn't is that there was a time where no one argued Rashid Wallace was a top five player in the NBA. Like Rashid yeah. stood out when he was with Portland. There was no question he was one of the best players in the league. I will say this as well is that this is the Basketball Hall of Fame, which means you could take into account his time in North Carolina, and he and Jerry Stackhouse won a national right. championship in North Carolina, and they were bosses on that squad so he probably has a little bit of a better argument just because of those other pieces that i mentioned but to me he's probably like a c plus like again i could rashid not being in is not a travesty to me there's a guy so i'm gonna throw this at you parker and i'll, I'll start first <laughs> and so that way i can give you some time to kind of uh gather your thoughts Brad Darty. Brad Darty should be a Hall of Famer. I'm going to make that the thesis statement. And <laughs> if you say to me who should be in, Rasheed Wallace or Brad Darty, Brad Darty should be in over Rasheed Wallace. Brad Darty was one of the best centers in the NBA in a time where that mattered. Brad Darty used to battle Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, David Robinson. And what people forget is that while the Cleveland sports franchises haven't always had tremendous success, the Cleveland Cavaliers actually had a run where they pushed the Chicago Bulls, not only for division championships, but for the right to represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. And the best players on that team, one of them was Brad Darty. Darty's career is surprisingly short. Um, he's, you know, a, he, he's an injury guy, so he had some lower right. body stuff. It's, it's interesting, though. So I thank you for the time to research because he retires in 94. And I got to be honest, I was born in 91. So like, I, I'm very much working on <laughs> statistics here. Um, he does have better statistics across his shorter career as far as he has more points per game, more rebounds per game, etc. than Rashid. Um, Rashid jacking up threes is actually, to me, a a look into what basketball becomes as far as your center being able to stretch out to the three-point line. Um, also, I think there's something to be said about Rashid playing so many more years. I think that longevity is an aspect of this. It's not the aspect, but it's certainly an aspect. And so no, absolutely. I don't know what, I don't know that I say either one should or should not be in um, as far as like, I'm not kicking one out, but I will say that, you know, Doherty's had a lot more chances to get in and he, and he's not. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's an A for, for me, for. but obviously it's not an A for the committees that he has to go through yeah, to the be voting selected. Yeah. Is Sean Kemp a hall of famer? That's thesis to you. Sean Kemp should be in the hall of fame. So Sean Kemp hall of fame. That's an A again. There was a time when sh there was no question that Sean Kemp was one of the five best players in the NBA. He, had an incredible amount of success in Seattle. Beside the championship team that Lenny Wilkins led in Seattle, Sean Kemp and Gary Payton had the best run. So to me, both of those guys should be in. 
uh, Sean Kemp was on Olympic teams as well. Sean Kemp, multiple All-Stars. I mean, uh, and he's got highlight moments. So, like, even if you don't remember Sean Kemp as a player, you can see highlights of him dunking on Chris Gatling and pointing at him like, got you. Like, I mean, he's got those types <laughs> of moments that people can identify with in terms of the NBA. You know, Chris Carter used to have this interesting measure and he would do this for the nfl and we understand that basketball and football are very different sports because of positions and all that but what he would say is can you tell the story of the nfl without this guy and if you can then that guy shouldn't be a hall of famer if we use that measure i don't think you can tell the story of the nba without sean kemp because of some of those moments that he had again as a child born 91 uh it it does look like to me like i'm looking back at the 90s a lot because i'm you know I like vivid. I can like remember vaguely being like in the house when Houston wins it all in '95 because like my dad's like pretty excited, his friends pretty excited. I'm like, oh yeah, we just we must win every year, right? And that's how that goes. That's not how that goes. But that's how I thought, you know. Um, so this is me looking back. I will say, as someone who looks back at the '90s, because it's an interesting era of basketball to me, because um, it's so different. You see Sean Kemp a lot, and so if that's the measure, like you're saying, like can you tell basketball history without him? It's hard to imagine you could tell someone the history of the 90s and not include a kid like Sean Kemp that can just rise over people and then throw the ball down so violently. I mean, he was he he was a guy that was a threat to break backboards, you know, and he was a embodiment of that because that was, I guess, much more common to see strong, powerful dunks and big, strong, overlooking guys and stuff like that. And, and he was doing that while also soaring through the air. And so it's hard to imagine the NBA story being told without him. And so if that's the criteria, I think you're right. It's hard to imagine that he's left out but he's been he retired in 2003 he's still not in so let's try to wrap up this segment parker and i got two names i'm going to throw at you and it's intentional the two that i'm going to throw at you they're both not in but i'm pretty confident you're going to give one of them an a and i think you're going to be questioned on the other and i think that they're actually pretty similar so the first thesis statement i'm going to throw at you that i'm pretty sure you're going to give an a chris bosh didn't make it chris bosh should be an nba hall of famer parker what do you say to that i gave it an a plus and honestly when we were talking about this we we're like well should we get a thesis together about so and so is snubbed um i don't i wouldn't replace tim duncan or kevin garnett or kobe bryant with him and if I'm being honest, the closest one I get to replacing is Kevin Garnett. And I don't think I can replace Kevin Garnett. So I don't don't come on my Twitter and be like, oh, you're here, Kevin Garnett, because that's not the deal. <laughs> um, I just, I think he's fourth in what became a three-dog a three dog race. I think that he clearly, well, he doesn't necessarily have the win shares of some of these guys or the overall stats of some of these guys. You look at a couple different aspects of Chris Bosh. One, his game ages as well as anyone on this list in the sense that he is a stretch five that can hit corner threes, that can catch lobs, that can take dudes off the dribble. He, if he is born 10 years later, is only a better NBA player, right? Uh, if he's born 10 years earlier, he's just a power forward, not a center, right? And so there's an interesting that, you know, difference there, and he could play in a lot of eras. Um, he is an integral part of the Miami Big Three, and if you're talking about the story of the NBA, you cannot miss the Heatles. Um, that is a, an, a big not. team. Off the floor, you can talk about LeBron gave up money, LeBron became a villain, and so on. On the floor, LeBron, uh, LeBron did not give up much. He led the team. Chris Bosh gave up the most on the floor. He was a, I'm the man, I'm the all-star, I, everything goes through me kind of guy in Toronto, and he gives up those things for the betterment of a good team to come to Miami. He also has his career shortened by a medical, you know, 
oddity in this blood clots thing. It wasn't like he had bad knees and ankles. It wasn't like he had off the floor stuff. It wasn't like his game got old. It was something that was such a freakish medical thing that I'm not sure. It's 2020. He reta- he had to, he was forced to retire four years ago. I'm not sure he's not still playing. And I, and I know that that's hard to think about, but like he it, he retired in 2016. Uh, he's LeBron's time, age. LeBron's still playing, right? I think they're the, the same, same age. age. Uh, he's 36, so he's a, he's one calendar year older. But um, he did his time at Georgia Tech. Part of the difference there, he and maybe got a soft spot to it for him because he he's from Dallas originally. He lives in Austin currently, and maybe that's maybe that's me being the diehard Texan. But he he really is a guy that I think gets left behind on those Eagles teams because Dwayne Wade was already in Miami, and LeBron is the MVPs when they're winning and and whatnot. But Chris Bosh is so important to the story of basketball. Okay, so let me just say that I 100% agree with you. A-plus, Chris Bosh should be in. So I'm going to talk about this next guy a little bit, Parker. That way I'll give you a chance to kind of gather your thoughts. Horace Grant should be a Hall of Famer. Hmm. So now if you say to me that Chris Bosh has to be in the Hall of Fame, I would say to you, well, Horace Grant should be in the Hall of Fame as well. And Horace Grant was the power forward on the first Bulls three-peat team. He was the yeah. third guy. He was the third guy on that on those squads, right? Because it's Michael Scotty that everyone remembers, right? But on the right. first set of three-peat teams, Horace Grant is the three. And he's the he's an all-star. He leaves Chicago. He goes to Orlando. And Orlando makes the finals with, Hor- with Horace Grant as well. Or- Orlando and Shaq. They actually do pretty darn well themselves. So he's a third guy again, but they they are it's a very good team. Well, what I would say is that Horace Grant is a player who makes a difference on winning teams, and the teams that he's on, you cannot tell the story without, and you can't tell the story of those teams without him in my mind. Because if the Bulls don't have Horace Grant in the first run of three peats, I'm telling you, the Knicks would have beat the Bulls up because the Knicks were too physical for the Bulls. Except for Horace Grant. Horace Grant would bang with Charles Oakley. He would bang with Anthony Mason. And I think you can make the same argument that Horace Grant comes in and helps Shaquille O'Neal. So Shaquille O'Neal doesn't have to absorb all these uh, down low touches and fouls. And Horace Grant comes in and really helps him there. And so when I see that Horace Grant is not in, the other guys from the Second three-peat, all three of them are in, right? Michael, Scotty, Dennis are in. So if I look at the first set of three-peat, and of course Phil Jackson's in as the coach. So I look at the first set of three-peat guys, you're telling me there's not three Hall of Famers on that team? I, Horace well, Grant is the guy. One difference I see in comparing him to Rodman or in comparing him to the case I just made for Chris Bosh is that he is an integral part of some serious winning basketball. And you're right about Chicago. You're right about Orlando. Um, shout out to Orlando getting rocked by the Houston, though. But yeah, you're right about all those things. <laughs> um, what I will say is that in each of those winning teams, we're pretty clear that he's the third guy, right? You have Jordan, Scotty, him, Shaq, Penny, him. Or and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the order in Orlando as, as I would no, identify it as well. But I was and, saying the same thing about Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh is clearly the third best guy. We have LeBron and Dwayne Wade, right? In Miami. But he has a separate part of his career where he was outstanding on his own. We got yeah, to see where they that. didn't get and, out and, the first round when he was the star. Like Horace Grant could have done that too. Like Horace Grant could have went. But to we a don't team. know that. No, we, we no, we here. actually know that to, with Toronto, we know that like Chris Bosh went to a team. No, no, no. They get out of the first round. 
I guess what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is we don't know what we don't know what Horace Grant looks like on his own in Toronto like we do with Chris Bosh. We know Chris Bosh could dominate basketball games. Yeah, sure. First one, whatever. You consider and know that he could dominate a basketball game on a team that goes above 500 and gets into the playoffs on his own. I don't actually have a lot of evidence on Horace Grant doing that, and that's not by any fault of the fact, other than the fact that he just didn't end up in those situations a lot, and. I, you know, I think the case for him is actually closer to what I was trying to make for Sean Mary at the start of this uh, section of the pod when I was like, you can't, those teams in Dallas, those teams in Phoenix, et cetera, don't win without him because of the role he played. I certainly think that that's the comparison because I don't know that Chicago and Orlando do the same kind of winning because he plays an integral role, but I don't think it's the same as the Bosch case or the Rodman case because we got to see those guys do things before that they were on those, you know, triumvirate teams uh and i i guess i also put sean marion in though so i'm not sitting here saying that i don't think he should be in shock i just i don't think that the comparison is to bosh i think the comparison is more to sean marion all right shaka since wrestlemania is apparently the only sport that's happening <laughs> the essay question for this week is what stars from team sports would you like to see in a wrestling match okay you got Okay, so I geeked out on this question, and I have an entire card. Let me tell folks, I haven't watched wrestling in years until now we're all <laughs> quarantined. And it's like, oh, well, wrestling is like, it's weird. Wrestling is literally the only thing on television that I don't know the ending. But um, I think all the wrestlers know what the ending is going to be. So it's weird, <laughs> that, that dichotomy. But um, so I put together a whole card of matches that I want to see. And so follow along with me because some of these are specialty matches because it's my own personal WrestleMania. So let's start. I'm going to open my card strong with a legend versus legend killer tag match. We're going to have Draymond Green and Dwight Howard tag team (laughs) as legend killers, and they're going to go up against Charles Barkley and Shaq. And that's going to be my first match. I think that that would get some pay-per-view vibes right there. Legend I, versus I, Legend it's Killer. Funny, it's funny because I, I did this a little differently as far as figuring out. I didn't make a whole card. Uh, but I also had Shaq as like one of my – I think he'd have to be involved because – I think he did some um, WWE stuff once upon a time he's too. He's so entertaining. He's a giant – he would relish the like any fake crowd noise that pump in. He is all he would be all about it. Um, <laughs> I think he'd be perfect for this. The, the having him opposite uh, Shaq and or having Shaq and Charles opposite Dwight and Draymond is hilarious, though. <laughs> okay, so that would be my card opener. So Parker, what would you go with? What's a match that you'd want to see? Who you want to see wrestle? Um, so I was going about uh, like athletes I've seen fight. Um, and then I started going about like athletes I certainly would never want to see in a fight. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I think uh, a guy like James Johnson in the NBA, he currently plays for, I think, the Minnesota Timberwolves, but he spent a lot of his career with Miami. Uh, he's a literal black belt. Like he, he's, a, he's a very real fighter. Um, and so he almost is like too real of a fighter for this kind of a thing to me. Um, I think I'd like to see Steven Adams. Uh, I think Steven Adams oh, in this okay. paired opposite some other you know giant towering behemoth of a human being like Andre Drummond um, would be a <laughs> hilarious match. Um, I think Steven Adams could come out in the full Kiwi attire and really, really play it up. And I think that'd be a really, really cool intro. And he's a giant and he could pull out you know all kinds of 
you know, fighting from overseas kind of thing. I, I, I see Steven Adams being a big player in this kind like, of Like, Steven Adams would be a guy who I think would embrace this. Like, if you were to say to me, hey, start talking about some NBA guys who really could go to the WWE after they were done. Like, Steven Adams would strike me as a guy who would want to do Robin Lopez, obviously, with all his mascot stuff, too. But Steven <laughs> Adams, for sure. Uh, would be a guy who I think would embrace He's already got this. the haircut. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we got to come up with a name for him, like the Killer Kiwi or something like that. I don't know. That's don't it. Th- That's the name. <laughs> and it's that easy. Um, okay, so my next match on my card is a handicap match. So for those of you guys who are unfamiliar, a handicap match means you have one person going up against more than one people. So they could be going against two people, three people, 27 people, but one person versus more than one person. That's a handicap match. So I have a three-on-one handicap match. The handicap match is Antonio Brown, and he'll be going up against a tag team of Mike Tomlin, John Gruden, and Bill Belichick (laughs) (laughs) with the special guest referee. The special guest referee is going to be Ben Roethlisberger. So Ben (laughs) Roethlisberger can be involved any way that he sees fit. And now maybe we got something that wrestling fans would be interested in seeing. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing Antonio Brown get punched in the face. So, like, I also <laughs> wouldn't mind seeing Ben Roethlisberger get punched in the face, but that's a different pod. <laughs> uh, if I'm going to handicap my from my list of people I have pulled here, I'm going to go with Ron Artest versus that entire row of fans in the Malice. <laughs> I, I want I want Ron Artest versus all of them. And I want Ron Artest not Meta World Peace because there's a distinct difference, and I want Ron Artest showing up. <laughs> no, Ron Artest is the bridges over Queensbridge hardcore, and Meta yeah. World Peace is like him after therapy. So like, I want free yeah. so therapy. I, I want Ron Artest, and I want the, enti- the fan that – Threw the beer and then got out of the way, and I want all of them there because he clearly <laughs> he clearly could take on the one fan, but could he take on the entire row? I think that's the more interesting conundrum. Absolutely, put him in a steel cage too while you're at it. Um, <laughs> my next match on my card is a no holds barred match. So no holds barred means anything goes, and it is Tanya Harding versus Nancy Kerrigan. I think that Nancy deserves an opportunity to get back at Tanya after uh, she kind of got jacked up before the Winter Olympics. And I have a special stipulation: since Tanya Harding and her crew kind of got Nancy Kerrigan first. Tanya has to fight the match with one hand tied behind her back. So that way Nancy Kerrigan gets a couple of shots in. Because I think she deserves it. Like, you try to ruin her whole career before the Winter Olympics. Nancy Kerrigan deserves to get a few shots in. So that's my next match. No holds barred. One hand tied behind Tanya's back, though. (laughs) No holds barred. I'm going with uh, Richie Incognito with the stipulation that he has to be mic'd up. Because we have to hear what he says. Versus Nadama Kingsu, because I think in a oh. no holds bar, Nadama Kingsu will break every inconceivable rule. But if no holds bar, he break them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my no holds no, no holds barred matchup. No, that'd be awesome. That actually, I could see the WWE trying to make that happen. Like those guys are big enough that they could go into wrestling if they wanted to. Wrestling has a match called Survivor Series. It's a pay per view, and what it used to be when I was a kid was you'd have these four-on-four teams that would fight each other. And it was unique because you never had four-on-four teams that fought each other. So the entire pay-per-view used to be this team of four guys versus this other team of four guys. And so I'm going to take it back old school to an old-school Survivor Series four-on-four tag team match. We're going to have the Bad Boy Pistons, specifically Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Rodman, Rick Mahorn, and Bill Lambeer. And they're going to go up against the Chicago Bulls. And that's the Jordan Pippen, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright Chicago Bulls. Because when they had the Jordan rules and they used to beat that dude up, like, 
I am sure that Jordan wants to get back at those guys. Um, and he kind of <laughs> did with leaving Isaiah off of the dream team, but that's a whole nother pod once again. Uh, so I just want to see <laughs> those guys fight. And I kind of like the idea of Rodman having to be on the Pistons because that's, oh, yeah. I think I kind of like that Survivor Series match. <laughs> oh, well, it's interesting to go to Survivor Series because I would actually try and find someone to face off against the bad boy Pistons. If I'm especially if I'm sticking with basketball. Um, I wonder if with the bad boy Pistons, do you go bad boy Pistons versus the 2004 champion Pistons and Ben Wallace, Ooh. Rasheed Wallace, Chauncey Billups? They had some. They had some hardcore. They would dudes not in that back team. down. Now the question would yeah. be, who would be the fourth? Like, would you take Rip? Would you take Tayshawn Prince? I'm trying to think of who was on their bench. I think Prince probably has the longer arms. Um, I don't know who. I, would you take Prince just at the starting five? Would you take Prince or Rip Hamilton? Well, like. If we were, oh gosh, because I forgot how good Tayshawn was defense. There was a point where Tayshawn Prince actually ascended to a level in the NBA that as a University of Kentucky fan, I thought he would never reach. Like, he was so good <laughs> defensively at his shot, man. Um, So, like, if you ask me who's a better player, like, instinctually, I want to say Rip, but I think Tayshawn was awesome. Um, and well, I, I was I was meaning more who would you pick for this fight? Though? Oh, yeah. Oh, who I want to fight. Oh, yeah, because let's do the thesis. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Tayshawn's got the reach. I feel like Rip probably no, – Tayshawn, went, okay. he grew up in Compton. No, I'm going if... Tayshawn. Tayshawn grew up in Compton. <laughs> like, he went to Dominguez High School. You guys got to go look that place up. Like, there's, no, there were bloods and you... crimps in the hallway. You should know about Dominguez High School. Anyone, anyone listening to this pod should know about Dominguez High School. Um, it's it's that it's big enough of a deal. If they're going to the bench, my dark horse off the bench for their fourth though instead of Tayshawn is Darvin Ham. I feel like Darvin okay, Ham. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The junkyard extra, dog. He had a wrestling <laughs> extra, nickname. <laughs> yeah, he's got some extra, you know, junk in his stuff. To, you know, no pun intended. But he's got he's got a little extra snot <laughs> in his nose. You know, he's he can really get after it. So that'd be my. I don't know who my fourth is, but those are my. I'd go Pistons versus Pistons there. That'd be kind of cool. Okay, so uh, my co-main event match is a steel cage match. So this is where they drop that steel contraption over you. You have to climb out in order to win, okay? And there's a very special stipulation on this match. And I think, Parker, once I tell you what the stipulation is, you'll know exactly who the combatants are. So the special <laughs> stipulation on this match is the winner of this steel cage match at Shaka Cummings' fake WrestleMania the winner gets to own the Knicks. So if I say that, Parker, <laughs> it is Spike Lee versus James Dolan, Steel Cage. Winner gets to own the Knicks, and let's go. Because I would love to see it. And if James Dolan actually really wants to own the Knicks and he can win this match, I think I'd have a lot more respect for him than I do now. <laughs> um, let me see. So I was wondering if you could have uh, Cam Newton versus Von Miller, and you could do your same stage uh, Steel Cage match uh, with the – Super Bowl trophy being brought back into the ring. Um, I also think the biggest <laughs> thing there, though, is aside from just who they are as, you know, giant, you know, Herculean-type human beings, um, the intros would be great because Cam Newton would come out to gospel music, like that workout video, and he would probably have, like... He would definitely something... get into, like, the costume, too. Like, he would come out, like, Completely. with a Ric Flair robe. And then Von, Von Miller, I see, coming out in, like, overalls with his chicken farm behind him. Like, I, I see both <laughs> guys going in, like, weird, weird like, nerdy glasses. I could see both guys going with that. Um, and so I want to see them fight it out for the Super Bowl trophy um, because Cam caught a lot of flack for not diving on a loose ball in that Super Bowl um and i i wonder if he wants to get back and i also think that you know cam could fight if he needed to um i also am trying to find and maybe you can help me out here if i said i'm putting james harrison in my corner who are you putting in your corner 
Oh wow! So hold on, like, is it like is a tag team partner? Well, I'm not fighting anyone like James Harrison. I meant more like <laughs> I'm coaching James Harrison. Who are you? Who? Are you, but who would oh, you put opposite? Hey, I couldn't so think of a guy to put opposite. Here's someone, and this will be a throwback a little bit, but Pittsburgh used to have great linebackers before James Harrison. Like Pittsburgh was just oh, known yeah. for producing all these great linebackers. So. Kevin Green was a linebacker who actually did go wrestle. Like, I think he wrestled for <laughs> WCW, and he kind of looked like Hulk Hogan. He's actually not necessarily the guy. The first guy who I pick is Greg Lloyd. Now, if you don't remember Greg Lloyd, he was number 95 for the Pittsburgh Steelers defense back in the 90s, and he used to wear a shirt that had a skull and crossbones on it on the front, and then on the back it said, I wasn't hired for my disposition. <laughs> I think I like Greg Lloyd going up in a match <laughs> against James Harrison. Both of those guys were jacked and ripped and like just mean dudes too. So I can see those yeah. Pittsburgh linebackers going against each other. That'd be kind of cool. Um, a little Pittsburgh throwback. A Steelers steel cage. That's what they'd call it. Steelers uh, steel cage. <laughs> um, so my main event for my WrestleMania, and I think this is one that Parker will appreciate. It's a battle royal. So in a battle royal, it's every person for themselves. Last man standing wins. And so in this battle royal, I'm going to have the Houston Astros from 2017 versus everybody. Literally everyone on the planet. <laughs> everyone gets a shot at them. So there you go, Houston Astros. If if Rob Manfred is not going to truly punish you, then let's put them in the battle royal. There's no stipulation or anything. They can still be the 2017 champions. I just want to get the opportunity for everyone in baseball to kind of get at them. So that would be the main event, and I think people would enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, friends. So that is F in Sports for this week. Uh, a lot of comedy in this week's episode. A lot of good laughs, but a lot of good sports chatter as well. Uh, Parker, you want to hit them with your socials? Yeah, you guys can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, it's just at P Ainsworth 512. That's at Painsworth 512. Um, these days, I think you'll find most of your teachers are pretty actual active on social media. Um, there's just not a whole lot else going on these days. So you'll see me engaging in various Twitter conundrums with people. So feel free, to fi feel free to find me and let me know what you think about my grades or theses this week. Absolutely. Uh, I, and sometimes I like to actually start that drama for Parker. So I'll just tag him and stuff and say, <laughs> Hey Parker, come on and yell at these people. Uh, you can yeah. Probably... Like when you come try to make me compare Hakeem Olajuwon and Dave Robinson, like <laughs> they fought this out. They played this. We saw this happen. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is that the dude who was coming back at you didn't even really have any arguments. He was just like, uh, you know, there's some cool highlights of Manu and it's like, shut up. You don't need <laughs> Um, so uh, you can find me on social media at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. That's me on Twitter. That is me on Instagram. So you can find me in either one of those. We have our FS Sports Instagram as well at F underscore N underscore sports. So go ahead, follow, and uh, you can interact with us there as well. You can interact with us throughout all the social media. We're on Twitter. We have our own individual Twitters. We have our Instagram. So please interact. We love that. Uh, hopefully we'll do a little bit of interacting this week, get back to taking some attendance and shouting some of you guys out who have some pretty dope takes. Uh, that's if you want to pre if you want to preemptively be in attendance this week and find us on uh, Twitter at FN sports to F I N S P O R T S the number two. Yeah, absolutely. We better not forget the actual, uh, <laughs> the podcast Twitter before we sign off. Uh, so absolutely. Please reach out to us. Thank you guys for listening this week. And please remember when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.